All right, welcome to the uh, Moving Forward podcast. This is your host, Corey Cottrell, uh, and we got uh, Rio Verdnier in the house, as usual. Uh, hey, kids. There you go. And uh, we got we got a very, very special guest uh, on with us uh, uh, for this show, uh, congressional candidate, uh, uh, David Kim. Uh, as uh, introduction, uh, David, please let us know who you are, uh, 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 you know, how you uh, uh, came to the, the, the kind of platform that, uh, that you're backing now, uh, and what uh, congressional district you're running for. Tell us a little bit about the race. Yeah. Um, where should I start? Um, yeah, I mean, in, in regards to, I guess I'll start kind of with the motivation of how I came to run just briefly. Um, I think for me, just in a nutshell, um, if you just kind of look around, uh, just your neighbors, people in your community, your families and friends, you'll notice one common element, and that element is this the sense of deep-rooted daily anxiety and undercurrent of financial worry and anxiety that cripples everybody in their ability to freely be themselves, to freely tap within, to freely have the power to create from within, and to be creative in that sense. And it's kind of uh, uplifting the American spirit and unleashing their power to do that. But then the thing that's the problem are these financial chains of of financial chains that always wear them down where they are not able to have any bootstraps to pull themselves up with. And so when you look at that, it's like, oh my gosh, masses of our people are suffering in financial distress and anxiety and worry. And this is what really is restricting our American people from becoming their fullest. And so what we need to do as a nation is to nurture them, to love them, to pour back into them so that they can then be empowered, so that they can be unshackled financially. And so my whole campaign and platform is about financial freedom what does that look like because we can't just toss out words and so that starts off with universal basic income because we have a 30-year wage stagnation we have a 30-year income disparity the most tragic in America's recent history and we have decreasing rates of unionization um, in regards to the the total bottom half of all income earners they earned um, about 20% and made up 20% of the total income 30 years ago, that bottom half now makes 11% of the total income, while vice versa on the flip side, the 1%, they started off as 11% of the total income 30 years ago, and now they make up 20%. And so when you look at all of this, it's like, huh, there's some injustice going on. And it's not just in in that respect, there's in the food industry, the chemical industry, the, the agricultural industry, uh, the, the economy, the healthcare industry, just in every single way. And then you have politicians like the one in our um, current district, Jimmy Gomez, who goes ahead and says, hey guys, I'm, I'm gonna fight for universal Medicare, but I won't tell you that uh, I'm taking money from pharmaceuticals and healthcare companies behind behind your backs. Hey guys, I'm going to go ahead and fight for freeing, cancellation, canceling student debt, tuition-free public colleges, but <clears throat> don't tell them I'm taking money from student debt collectors. So it's like, what the f is going on? You can say fuck <laughs> on this show. I won't mind. No, it, that's, that, no, it's, it's, it's so important, right? Cause I mean, the, the, the fact that there are Democrat, Democrats out there that are basically like, they'll, they'll pay lip service to some of the core plank ideas. Uh, but, you know, taking, taking money from the opposite side of this argument is, is exactly the kind of disingenuousness that, you know, that, that we need to absolutely fight against. So having, having somebody who's willing to go in in primary, not only to get the good ideas that we're sort of all kind of going for, but the better ideas around UBI that are actually going to start solving the, the, the real economic anxiety in this country. Um, thank you for running, man. It's, 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 it's a big deal. Yeah. Sign us up. We're, we're backers officially. Awesome. It took, yeah. what, two minutes? Done. 
Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> no, thank you so um, much. And the thing about universal basic income is it's that start to that discussion. I mean, you guys, obviously, right. not, I'm not going to explain it to you, but that's where we start collectively together. But yeah, go ahead. My bad. No, and, okay. and we should we should dig into that because like getting different perspectives and more perspectives on, on, on the freedom dividend around UBI is, 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 is really, really important because there's still a lot of uh, uh, confusion around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, actually, before, and I want to do this uh, now and, and towards the end of the show, but where can people go and uh, donate to your campaign? Yeah, um, our, our current main website, it'll, it'll be up in a few weeks, but that website, I mean, it'll probably be up to, uh, right now by the time you're listening. Um, it's davidkim2020.com, or you can go to the Facebook page. It's at David Kim for Congress or on Twitter, um, on Secure Act Blue. You can go ahead and sign up to join, volunteer, donate. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, we'll throw uh, uh, fire some links after the show and we'll, we'll throw them in the, uh, in the comments as well. Uh, sure. But yeah, so maybe, maybe talk about the, 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 your, um, you know, maybe the first time hearing about, about UBI and, and, and your progression from sort of uh, pre thinking about UBI and post thinking about UBI. What was that? What was that evolution like? Or did, were you born just thinking, Oh, UBI is the answer, obviously. <laughs> no, um, I guess in, in regards to when, um, just one second. I, um, in regards to uh, growing up, um, our, our family, um, we were kind of a, one of the less fortunates and, and amongst our community and family members and relatives, there were, uh, there were other families that also kind of suffered financially. But what I found kind of bothersome was the fact that, yes, we have these safety net programs. We have with food stamps, with with um, different types of in, uh, monthly assistance programs, but there's always the stigma that was attached to it. And so, as kind of you kind you can't tell anybody that you're taking that because the moment you do, you start getting judged and then suddenly put into the lowest of the society. And so, there's that stigma that was always involved. Where even within our communities or the communities of my other friends, you would see it's like ah, oh, everybody's so embarrassed and so like there's this there's a shame when there shouldn't be because the current the current system and the current how everything's going enables all of those conditions it's not necessarily our fault but then now we're projecting all of that shame and guilt upon ourselves when it's actually the system which needs to be addressed and changed in that way and so i think one of the things for me was growing up was how do we do this where we take away the stigma um and then that kind of thought just was kept in the back of my uh, head kind of growing up. And it was about uh, about a year and a half ago, a year ago, I, I'm not quite sure, probably 15 months ago, um, where I started kind of, I, I just randomly came across universal basic income um, because I go down these rabbit holes of policy issues. And, and suddenly, as I was going down that rabbit hole, I, I found universal basic income. And then I learned more about it and I thought, huh, this is, this is fascinating. This is cool. And then I mean, I did all I could to learn about it. It was, I mean, it wasn't more, my first reaction or reception wasn't, oh my gosh, this is the answer to be honest. Yeah. For me, I've always been critical. I'm an attorney. Um, I'm, I'm super, not that I'm pessimistic of things, but I'm just very practical, I think, from that mindset. And so I just wanted to do my research and study first. So I did that all that I could. And then while, while kind of going down that rabbit hole, um, rabbit hole after rabbit hole, I, I discovered Andrew Yang. And this was way before the whole Joe Rogan radio and uh, our podcast blow up and whatnot. Um, but it was just fascinating to see that, huh, this guy that looks like me now. So now there's 
different elements in that sense in a way um just to be honest it was just like ah oh, this asian guy who does his study and his research i mean i mean the asian thing yeah it helps because when i was little i thought you know what why is that first and last korean american congressman getting kicked out of congress in 1993 because of illegal campaign funds oh i think it's a racist thing and so kind of looking at andrew yang i thought huh this guy is obviously smart. He started these startups. He's 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 done all of these great things. I mean, he's I don't think he's the type to just kind of say, "Hey guys, let's go do it." Like because for us, for I mean, and this is where I know my mom as the tiger mom, she would go crazy when um we had bad grades and whatnot. But the thing about kind of I kind of saw Andrew and I was like, "Huh, you're one of my kind, like the study hard, get all the facts straight." don't publicize your results or conclusions until you have actually substantiated evidence with research to support it because that's the biggest thing about us and so um eventually i just kind of thought huh i'll monitor this guy and see how he's doing and then through that i actually learned more um about the freedom dividend and um i mean i think to back it all up i would read books like um give people money by annie lowry and some other um blogs and websites about universal basic income and i thought oh this is this is very interesting and so the way andrew yang does it what's unique about it is methodically just kind of example wise with his faqs on his website super extensive for those who haven't um you can go to yang2020.com um but in regards to this guy he's done so much research so much study and it's i mean he's not a career politician and so first of all you have that plain side and plain view and to me that was so honest it was so um humble as a person and as i mean as a common um kind of human being he had the compassion that i that i saw was absent in a lot of our democratic presidential candidates right now who are running um so it was just kind of like huh this guy's he's he's really fascinating and so i think coupled with that i really my study into universal basic income went really deep and during this whole time i was um just kind of filling in on the political climate uh seeing what was going on with trump with the polarization of our house and all of this and and as i was just observing it i noticed that there was this deep sense of anguish and sadness and just this this i don't know how other to describe it than to say this groaning where it's like every day i wake up i see to my left this apartment with a family of six uh four kids 7 5 3 and 1 the mom leaves at 8 p.m. she comes back at 8 a.m. and then her husband then leaves at 8:30 a.m. and then comes back at 7:30 p.m. and just to see them working multiple jobs it's like something is not right and so I think the thing that Andrew Yang does and what free, the freedom dividend does particularly it's a, it allows people to have the means to go ahead and save to go ahead and just relax their shoulders kind of take a breather um be able to spend time with their children be able to pour that back in and then also at the same time now they're not so pressed into taking the jobs um where they are paid minimum wage and this this period and season of hoping to get out never ends and that season just harshly and cyclically continues and so it's just kind of saying hey guys we need to address the 30 year wage stagnation we need to address this income disparity so let's start that with doing doing it by providing universal basic income and so i i what another common thing that i i really loved was um even with our family i mean 
Sometimes we didn't need the food stamps. Sometimes we needed assistance in other areas. And so the fungibility of universal basic income was another great thing that totally attracted us. And so I think that's that, that in and of itself, a lot of people, and that's what I think what's fascinating is um, the freedom dividend, Andrew Yang. It's not particularly, I mean, yes, he's running as a Democrat, but it's not particularly a left thing or, or a right thing or whatever. I mean, that's why he's able to go ahead and have supporters from the Republican side, the libertarians and the Democrats all at once. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's why I'm behind it, and that's kind of one of the tenets. And so, for me, my campaign it's called, um, and I I loved how kind of other candidates have used their campaign committee name to go ahead and add some extra advertising space in there. So for <clears throat> so mine it says paid for by David Kim for Congress, financial freedom, love, and justice for all committee. And so in that sense, it's financial freedom number one, number two, love number three, justice. And so those words, words are just words if there's nothing attached to it. And so these words have to look like something. And so what does financial freedom look like? Financial freedom looks like the ability to not having to worry about day after day of how you're going to make ends meet, of how you're going to fix that car that just totally burned a hole in your savings and now you have no more savings. And so it's removing that. And what does that look like? And how does that start? And that's that's where universal basic income is the first kind of core issue of that financial freedom <clears throat> prong to our campaign. The second one, love. Love looks like something. It's not just when you say to your partner, oh, I love you. I mean, it gets old. There's, there has to be something that supports it. And so with the nation as a government, we have to be electing people that love the people, that they're, that they're being elected, not just for, I mean, not for the sake of power, but for the sake of loving the people and showing that what that looks like. And so to me, love looks like universal Medicare. To me, love looks like tuition-free public college. To me, love looks like proper prenatal care for every woman, despite their income and background. To me, love looks like treating every school and every district, no matter where they are, no matter how much their district is paying less in taxes for their school education, to be equal in all of that sense. And so that's what love looks like. And then in the justice aspect, um, we have injustice in every area where corporate interests and corporate money are prioritized over people's interests in food with Monsanto, GMOs, with chemical industry, with these pesticides and uh, these harmful substances to our own health and to our own longevity in life. Um, in, in regards to in all areas and removing that with mass incarceration, a clear visible sign that institutionalized racism is still in effect. Um, and so and, and in regards to immigration with abolish, I mean, and, and I mean, and, and, and these are where some um, issues might be um, kind of discussed in various ways with kind of other alternatives and options to that. And that's fine, but it's actually just starting the discussion in these areas and to collectively address it and by um, kind of bringing it all on the level together. And so I think what our platform is really kind of fighting for is that financial freedom, that love. What does that love look like? And it's creating this trickle-up economy because when you empower a kid, I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids or nephews or nieces, but when you kind of continue to pour in your love and support for them, they get so much more bolder and confident and are able to do more things beyond their limits. Um, and so I think in that sense, that's what our country needs to do. And then, and then that also looks like something and that's promoting justice. I mean, and so that's why I'm so excited. I think one of the things that my campaign manager had asked me, she was saying, David, what is the most exciting, th what, what are you most excited about your campaign? And I think for me, it's, 
inspiring hope back into the people because we have a majority of people who aren't voting right now um, because they've been disillusioned and I mean, and become apathetic because no matter how much they vote, the government doesn't change. Everything still stays the same or might is even going downhill in that sense to in, in what regard you see it. But I think it's just kind of giving the hope back to the people and saying, hey guys, we can do this. We can have everyone included into the conversation if you go ahead and just join in on this movement. And I know um, those are kind of cash words that could be easily thrown, but um, is it okay if I do one more little kind of type of story? Not um, at all. This is bullshit. I fucking hate notes. <laughs> okay. No, absolutely. No, please, please continue. Yeah, no, there's uh, just to just to end that moment off and then you can go ahead and continue just to end that moment off. What really got me was, um, I mean, I work in house um, as an attorney and I, I love doing a lot of community work. And so I, like several months ago, I had ran for um, neighborhood council in our city. Um, Los Angeles, we have 99 neighborhood councils. Each neighborhood council has 40,000 residents. Um, and so each neighborhood council has about 15 to 17 board members that are elected by those 40,000 people. And so these neighborhood uh, councils, what they do is they mostly are the liaison between the city hall city council members and the residents of LA. And so what we do is we actually kind of address the, the on the go kind of in action type of activity. So whether it be with street cleaning, whether it be with voting to approve or reject a zoning project in the area, be it commercial or residential, uh, whether it be putting on domestic violence workshops or safety workshops in the area. And so that's what we do. And so I had, I, I had run for the board and I had won a position, thankfully. And there was a night where we were all just kind of meeting and then it was the first or second meeting. And um, without it being announced to us prior, uh, the city official had said, okay, we will be electing officers from this meeting. And to me, I thought, okay, that's great. I'm down to vote for whoever wants to run and whoever has the passion and heart. So let's do this. And so it came time to um, nominate and elect president. And um, I was ready to go ahead and see who was being nominated and then hear what they had to say and then vote. And then suddenly the guy to the right of me said, David Kim. And I looked at him and was like, yo, <laughs> I've only met you once. What are you doing? Like, we haven't even had lunch or coffee. Like, um, and he's like, no, I nominate David Kim. And then the, the lady to the left of me, she's Mexican. Um, she only speaks Spanish. She's like, David. And I was like, ah, okay. And then I was like, well, why? Like, and then suddenly there were like four, five, six, like, I think six or seven people. Um, they kind of just said David. And then the, the, the city official looked at me and said, David, do you accept the nomination? I said, I mean, let's how do, you wait. Say, how do you say no at that point? I was, I was like, let's wait and see who else is nominated because this is totally unexpected. And I was just like, come on, guys, nominate. Come on. And so um, it was just weird and nobody wanted to nominate anyone. And so it came down to I was like, all right, if nobody's being nominated, I guess I'll run. Um, I accept. And then they were doing a election roll call vote. And so this is where all the board members had to say yes no or abstain and so they said david kim and all 16 other board members had said david kim not one saying no or abstaining and what's 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 amazing though is that half of these council members are spanish-speaking mothers and fathers and they have two to three jobs working each day but then they come to these neighborhood council meetings because they want to make a difference 
and they want to go ahead and tell their children, hey guys, your mom and your dad, we're working hard. You see me, you see me just go to two jobs. I'm going to our, my neighborhood council meeting because I'm fighting for my neighborhood. I'm going to say no to that commercial building that's coming in because they're not going to have a bar and I don't want any more drunk driving accidents in my area. And if that's the case, then our rent is going to go up. And so they have so much at stake. And so they come to these meetings and they're part of these councils. And so I looked at them and I thought, why are you guys electing me? I don't even speak your language because 50% of our committee, they speak Spanish only. And so then it, then it kind of clicked as I was walking out of the meeting and I thought, oh my gosh, like earlier during that meeting, there was a session where a representative from an outside organization had come and the Q&A session had opened. And me just kind of being an attorney, um, I thankfully, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for despite whatever hardships we have growing up under my parents. Um, and so I've, my mom has always been that mother Teresa in that sense. And so she's always been looking out for those who are on the outside who were less fortunate. And so I've, I've, I kind of acquired that from her just seeing growing up. And so just as an attorney, I was asking logical questions. I said, what are you doing for a community? Why our community? What are the benefits? Or what are you going to do about the parking spaces that none of us have right now and will even have no more? I mean, what are you doing to address that? And so for me, I just kind of was, I thought I was just asking a logical questions, but from these mothers, they saw that and they said, oh, that's exactly what we're concerned about. That's exactly why we're here. But we can't speak English when all of these people come in with these projects and where none of them are fluent in Spanish. But if you can go ahead and voice our concerns and address that for us, please be our president. And so that's where I kind of came home and I was, I was telling my boyfriend and I said, hey, like, I was elected president and, and this is, this is, I mean, it's, it was so sudden, but it, I started crying and I said, hey, this is, I'm honored to be it and I'm, I'm going to be that voice. And so I think kind of with that in mind, as the weeks went by, I was like, I was looking more into our district, uh, more into our congressman. I had a friend who ran against him two years ago, the current congressman. Uh, my friend ran with the Green Party. Um, there was, there's only 0.8% registered as green in our district. But yet my friend won 30% of the total vote at the general election. Oh, wow. So it's, it's saying that this, this, this congressman is not even being fully accepted by his own party, despite what his views are. And so because there's, there's people don't actually know it, because if you go ask a resident in our district, hey, who's our current congressman? They won't be able to name who he is. But then they sense that there's this sense of injustice that's floating around. So even without knowing that our current congressman is taking and pocketing money from student debt collectors and then preaching on the other side, tuition-free public college, they don't actually know it here, but they feel it here. And that's why they're so socially active and conscious in that aspect. And so that's where I just said, you know what, I'm going to throw my hat into the race. Um, and I've seen my friend do it. I've seen my friend before that do it and lose. And so I've seen two friends lose against this guy. And so I thought, you know what? Maybe third time's a charms. Having seen those campaigns, having helped out on each of them, um, we're not going to be taking any corporate money, um, any donations from big banks, PACs, um, anything else. And so in that sense, it's going to be a tough race. But um, I mean, we're ready. We're in it to win it. Um, and I, it was funny, um, right before kind of jumping on it, two hours ago, 
um, two, uh, three to four or five other candidates were tweeted. Um, and um, the candidates in New York, Jonathan Herzog and um, I forgot his name, uh, they, they tweeted me and they said, hey, whenever you come out to New York, we would love to host you. And so now we're, we're called the Freedom 2020 crew. Um, what happens if we end up in Congress all together? We're able to go ahead and push forth the freedom dividend legislation just as actively and forcefully um, as we're standing on it now. And so we can't wait for that day when it comes where we'll be able to to kind of lead on that forefront. And right now it starts with, with um, kind of spreading that message to the people, inspiring hope and saying, hey guys, there are ways we can address it, address these issues and areas in our lives and this is how we do it, so. Well, yeah, I mean, electing, electing Yang is, uh, is just part of it. I mean, he's, he's gonna need people like you in Congress yep. on his side as well, so. Yes, um, we're happy to, to do our part to, to help you win, David. Um, but yeah. that, that was amazing. I don't, know what, I, don't, I don't know what to add to it. You sell yourself very well. You're running in, um, I'm sorry, just really quick, quickly, can you clarify it? Which district yeah. are you running in? And, and you're running as a Democrat in the Democratic primary. Is that correct? Correct. So, um, so we're in the California's 34th congressional district. So that covers Koreatown, downtown, Highland Park, Echo Park, where Dodger Stadium is, um, uh, Lincoln Heights, Boyle Heights. Um, so it's these, this, it's a main, these are some main major neighborhoods of LA. Um, and with California, thankfully, thankfully, um, it's a top two ranking rank system uh, state. And so uh, regardless of party, whoever ends up in the top two for the primary election on March 3rd, we're one of the early states for the Super Tuesday. Um, and so as long as I place top two, I'm able to go ahead against whoever's number one, which I assume would be Jimmy Gomez um, in the November general election. And so right now our goal is to just win a second place. Um, currently there's him, there's another democratic candidate. Um, she, um, she's, she's doing great things as well. Um, she's running and then myself, so three Democratic candidates, including the current congressman, and then one Green Party candidate. So, um, so we'll go ahead and see what happens um, with this race. And um, hopefully, I think more than that, it's just kind of also just educating the people on a mass level that, hey, I know what you guys are feeling is true, so don't doubt that. And these are ways we can go ahead and articulate what those problems are and then be able to um, remedy and address those. And so that's, that's why we're in this race and that's why I'm, I'm running. That sounds, that sounds like very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you just have to get second place in a primary. I think we can, I think our listeners can help you do that. So anybody who can afford it, send David Kim yes. money. Um, he will spend it intelligently. <laughs> yes. Yes. Spend it intelligently or, or um, our website will have features on signing up to phone bank or, 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 or text from home. So you could do it at home, uh, no matter if you live inside or outside of California, wherever you are. So in that regard, that is also a big help. Three, five dollars. That's great too. Uh, whatever you can to help. Um, because this is more kind of a bigger movement. I think it's all about um, kind of inspiring this mass wave of positive change agents into Congress, um, where it's kind of saying, hey guys, we're done with this season of the reality show. Um, <laughs> let's call it done. I, I know I know, Andrew Yang started that, and then Bernie Bernie took that, and then some other candidates did, but it's just like, come on guys, let's, let's clean it up. And so we as the, just as I'm, I mean, as the audience, we have the power to go ahead and change what we're seeing. 
And so it's just telling the American mass, hey guys, we have the power to change what we're seeing right now. Let's just do it. Um, and so kind of getting that mobilization. Again. Yeah, and I'm super excited that uh, that there's a group of people that that are coming, you know, on board with uh, uh, with this policy plank. And, and honestly, we want to talk to every single one of them, uh, so that you know, we want to. That's the thing. Like, and we were talking about before coming on air. You know, Rio, Rio and I talk about this all the time. Like, you know, the the uh, Yang candidacy is fantastic. No matter what, we are going to be continuing this work afterwards, and it, it has everything to do with candidates yeah. like you picking up this mantle and, and, and running with it. Yeah. Uh, so anything that we can do to promote all of you guys to help create a cohesive movement uh, uh, that will stand the test of time, because again, like this is not going to be a, a, a short battle. We need to be buckled in for, for the next, however long it takes, frankly, right? Because we know that these ideas are what needs to happen. We know it for a fact. So uh, we want to help and, and uh, uh, you know, coalesce around whoever is uh, doing that work. And, and thank you so much for, for picking it up and for doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that you guys even have this podcast. Um, I love the whole title, Moving Forward, <laughs> um, in that sense. And I think it's just really being practical and kind of putting aside differences because, to be honest, everyone on that neighborhood council that I sit with, we're so different. We probably have different, I don't even know if half the mothers are okay that I'm gay. I mean, that's fine. But then the fact that they were able to put that all aside and say, hey guys, we need somebody that's going to address our real issues right now. So let's go ahead and kind of go together behind a person or to behind certain issues and values that we have as a community. And so when you look at that, it's like, huh, that's interesting. I mean, I know that lady over there is like super hardcore Catholic and and Christian um, and and of that Christian and Catholic family background and upbringing, um, but but it's kind of in the sense of, wow, like we're able to come from different families, different lives, different professions, um, in that sense, and just come together as 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 a group of people. And so that's kind of what I saw, and that's what I think. Is, is still hopeful in the sense that we have members of our community, whether they be citizens or undocumented workers, coming together, going ahead and running on a local level, trying to do as much change as they can. And so when you see that, it's like, huh, there's, I mean, it's still, it's still active. You still see love in action. You still see power and policy and real kind of problem addressing in action at that low level. That means it is still possible at all other levels as well. I mean, if it starts at the ground level from there up. And so I think it's just a matter of, okay, let's see where the disconnects are. I mean, one of the topics that I hated in, I mean, in high school was um, geometry because I could never kind of seem how to land the plane and figure out where the mess up was. But it's kind of seeing... If, okay, at this ground level, at the neighborhood council level, if it's if, if this is what it's supposed to look like and be in terms of the decision making that we do in terms of setting aside the differences and really talking about the problems at issue and addressing them, then where's the disconnect? And so when you look up, it's like, oh, we have contracts with these defense contractors. We have these, we have the head of Exxon becoming a cabinet member. We have all of these things and it's like, oh, that's where the disconnect is. And it's like shining a light there, shining a light there. And it's like, hey guys, there's this thing called conflict of interest. There's this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's this thing called ethics, um, which is something that our president, I don't know, um, seems to understand as a word or, or its meaning, but it's like, there's things that we do. Um, it's not just 
all for one, I mean, all for the win. And I mean, in, in a Hunger Games type of style, but, um, and I think it's kind of coming back to the root core and values of um, uh, what our forefathers had said um, with enabling the rights of all people to be treated equally in all areas and, and having the access to freedom and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and what does that look like? And I think it's, it's now, it's kind of throwing away the notion that living life is just to get that job to pay the bills. It's just to have that job that will do me well for the 30 to next 50 years. And then I'm good. Um, it's, but, but I think it, it's a little more than that, where it's like, no, we need to be a little step forward where we're creating, where we're innovating, where we're thinking outside the box, where we're in all of these education, technology, and all of these areas. And, and that's what we're doing. But it's kind of working along with automation in that sense and saying, okay, so we see that coming. So how do we work with that? How do we grow with that? Instead of kind of waiting 10 years, five years and saying, oh, sh oh, crap, we need to start this now and it's already too late. And it's, so it's kind of taking the time to really consider and to put our egos aside. I know um, the thing that I've always learned in interviews was when it comes to work, you, you check your ego at the door and, and you just pull up your sleeves and do the work. And so I think that's also something that our, our government and our the leaders who we elect into office need to do because I feel that every vote they make is a moral decision that they're making on behalf of um, the lives of our people and our communities. Um, when you see how it trickles down and affects people at the real level. Um, and so every decision and vote that we make too is a moral decision. And so um, when you say, when I see, Bog um, well, I'm not calling her bogus, but when other people call her bogus, Marianne Williamson, when you see her, it's like, ah, oh, but the thing that she brings is that, that compassion that elected officials should have. And I know, I think it was, um, one of the one of Trump's sons who was just having this he was so amused and fascinated by her performance at the debates but it's just people are just kind of like huh love what what why are you bringing that <laughs> wooey type of thing yeah. into this but when you actually think about it though the people that we elect into office i mean if the government is of the people for the people and by the people then that means they have to be people who really care for the people i mean why else are we electing them? And so that really right. all comes down to, do we have this foundation of love? I mean, does, I'm not even going to mention his name, but does, does the Senate leader have, uh, McConnell, does he, does he even, does, does he even have that as his basis? And so I think. I'll, gi I'll give you a short answer. <laughs> no. no <laughs> that, that guy, that guy wouldn't know empathy if it punched him in the face. And, and it, like, I, I love that because I had the same reaction to it. Like, you know, that, that uh, sort of now infamous moment with Marianne Williamson where she was talking about that we really need to counter Trump's uh, uh, fear and insanity with love. I was like, fuck off. But at the same time, like, she's totally right, though. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's, it's tough for me to like, obviously, it's so far out of our normal political parlance in the way that we have this conversation that she yeah. just sounded like a hippie weirdo. But at the same time, like, ah, if you break it down, she's not wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but my, my my wife my, my my wife was like, well, she's crazy, but but she's but she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. It, that's exactly that's exactly it. You know, it, it uh, and it, but it's it's something that that we don't do, and I'm glad that you're doing, uh, uh, David is, is is bringing this up in the context of of demanding that our political leaders have empathy as a thing, right? Like yeah. like if you're gonna do you know uh, for the people by the people, let's start, like for the people means actually for the people so yeah. having that as a as a core belief you know, like every policy we cover 
you know, on this podcast. And we're slowly getting our way through every single one of the policies at uh, uh, yang2020.com forward slash policies. There's 18 million of them and they're all amazing, right? But as we go through this, the, the core construct in the middle of it is that you, you could tell that every single one of them is thought out in a way that is actually going to benefit everyone. That's mm -hmm. the point, right? Yeah. And when you boil that down, you know, it, 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 uh, there, there is a dramatic amount of very, very real empathy and very, very real love of country and of the people that are in it that, mm -hmm. that he displays through, through everything that he does. And it's something that, mm -hmm. you know, we as the, the people that are sort of coming together around this candidacy get to emulate and bring up as this thing that we want to have as a core value. And if you mm -hmm. don't like that as a core value, you can fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, was that allowed? Do we have to, by the way, like, I want... This is your show. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, no, I was thinking, like, you might want to share this with, like, the, the little old ladies in your council thing, and then we'll just bleep that out for that. Because, that you know, I, please tell the abuelas that I'm sorry, and I'm a Canadian shithead. Okay. Totally. <laughs> okay, good. Awesome. <laughs> okay, totally will do. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, thank you. Um, I think... I mean, what I'm, what I'm just kind of excited is um, just the chance to, uh, to be able to push for things that matter. And so I think one of the things that when I when I get into office, the first and thing that I'm going to be running off on and working hard on is is the freedom dividend. Um, regardless of, I mean, obviously it'd be amazing, and and I'm 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 rooting for him all the way, Andrew Yang. But if in the chance, I mean, if if he wins, then he still needs a Congress to support him. If yep. he doesn't win, he still, we still need a Congress that's addressing these issues because it's not even for this whole Yang 2020 campaign. You see it. And I mean, everybody likes Andrew. He's, he's a very, um, uh, he's a very kind of heart led guy where he has this heart for the people. But um, I think even kind of in addition to that though, there, it's, it's something that's, that's, bigger at stake and kind of bigger picture in the sense of it's a movement of these core values and things that he's addressing with these policy issues. And so that's why his platform is even more distinct and kind of unconventional in the sense of they're not just these cash words, kind of the healthcare and, and mass incarceration. And I mean, not to say that I'm belittling or trivializing them in any way, but they're just kind of these words and campaign issues that all these candidates have. But then what Andrew does, he breaks it down even to more specifically, like, what does that look like? Oh, I have a specific issue with zoning, by the way. Guys, I have a specific issue on this with MMA fighters and, and their rights. Um, and, I, and kind of looking at it all in that sense, and it got me thinking, ah, oh, there's actually a lot. I mean, he started he started um, that that light bulb and kind of I went down another rabbit hole and I thought there was a time where even as an attorney, I, I graduated from law school and in a shitty, shitty legal market where their number one law firm kind of closed down and whatnot. And, and so there was a time where I was trying to, um, I, I, was, I was working full time as an attorney for free. And then I was Ubering and lifting, driving for Uber, driving for Lyft from 6 p.m. to 5 a.m. Wow. And so, and so it was just kind of doing all of that. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like my mileage, my car, I need to go get a repair, the gas. All right, this is lower than minimum wage. And so kind of thinking on that regard too, it's like 
huh, what are we doing to address? I mean, this is great. I'm, I'm super thankful for those companies and founders for even having those ideas and launching them. But then it's like, how do we do this so we can all work together? I understand that you as a company need to make money and profit for your shareholders. Um, and that makes sense. But it's kind of realizing, but we as a community, your corporations that with, exist within and amongst our people. And so let's talk about ways how we can how we can continue this and still have it coexist together. And so talking about measures of kind of calculating systems and methods to determine what's fair and reasonable for these Uber and Lyft drivers or, or Postmate drivers um, on that end. And whether it be with proper prenatal care for women, um, despite what their income is. And I, and I know that a lot of candidates are bringing universal Medicare to the table to go ahead and address that. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of realizing, huh, these are some basic human needs that have to be met food, um, housing, uh, the ability to get a job, the ability to know that once they get a job, that they're able to go ahead and sustain themselves, where they're not frantically trying to get two or three jobs to make ends meet, um, but then where they're able to be and, and live sane and healthy lives. And so I think if that's a government that's supposed to be for the people, by the people, of the people, then why isn't it happening? And so it's also um, kind of bringing that awareness. And, and I love how um, just with this presidential campaign, there's different voices and critiques and analyses and opinions and, and videos and blogs out there kind of sharing their views. And it's good to see this now um, because health, I mean, despite what your views may be, despite whether or not you hate me for believing the views that I have, it's fine as, as long as we're just talking about it right now, like on, on this podcast um, amongst ourselves and, and just kind of being aware and tuning in and, and seeing what's being discussed at the table right now. And so, um, and so I thank you guys for even giving me the chance to come on the show. Heck yeah. Yeah. To, to be able to share. Um, this is a really huge thing. I mean, um, in the sense of, for us as progressive candidates, as grassroots candidates, we don't have, Jimmy Gomez raised $1.5 million um, in the last election. Um, my friend um, raised 150,000 from the Green Party. And so um, 10 to one, my friend still won 30%. So it's, it's kind of knowing that, huh, I know that we were not gonna beat them in money. I mean, I, I actually will cancel that. Uh, we could, but it's just kind of, in the sense, now I sound woo-woo like Williamson, but um, in the sense of, uh, it's a, in the sense of these platforms that you guys have for us to be able to share, I think it's more about the sense of connecting with the message first, seeing what that message is and relating to that. Because I think that once that connects and sort of awakens the consciousness of the American people again, that's where able everyone's able to actually put and see some action happening. And, the, and so, no matter how cliche it might be, it's it's kind of realizing it's only together that we can actually make things happen and push change, and so um, that's that's one of the things that um, that we're really pushing for. Um, uh, if uh, hashtag wise, um, we have a hashtag. It's yes we Kim. Um, so nice. go nailed it. Go ahead and hashtag that. Go ahead and hashtag David Kim 2020 financial freedom. And so kind of it's just kind of going ahead and saying, hey, guys, everybody needs to be free. And in today's day and age, um, that looks like institutional racism, in, injustice, whatever. But I think the main thing is unshackling financially the American people from financial chains. 
And so that's what we're really pushing for and uh, really wanting um, to go ahead and give back to the people because the country is of the people. And as, as shareholders, I mean, um, Andrew Yang talks about it, how it just makes sense. We should be getting dividends. I mean, well, I mean, I've, I've drafted bylaws. I've, I, as an attorney, it's like, okay, so, so what, what, how much are you going to give in dividends? How's that going to be calculated? I mean, that's, that's one of our duh basic questions when we're drafting those. And so, um, in regards to that, it's like, it's not, it's not a concept that's so hard to wrap your mind around with. Um, because, and I mean, people say, where are we going to get the money? I mean, if you go on to Andrew Yang's website, he breaks it down. If you go on to different website, well, actually go to his because his is more specific to the American economy, the structure and how it's going on. Um, but then if it's, it's kind of basically saying like you give a kid a hundred dollars and then the kid goes and spends $99 on candy. And then, and then you say, Hey, can you go buy grandma, um, some, some, a stick of gum and then he's like I don't have any money though and it's like what the fuck like of course because you just spent it on fucking candy for $99 what the fuck like I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm cussing but, but my yeah no my, my takeaway from that is thank god Kim also swore that was that's that's where what I took from that story. <laughs> yeah. and, and, my, and my apologies to those who are listening I, I apologize I mean but it's it's we made him do it we made him do it it's on me <laughs> or no, y- y- Yang. I um, he said fuck on um, Sam Harris's show. <laughs> okay, that's all we really want. So if you if he can do it, you can do it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, but it's like, what the fuck? You just spend ninety nine dollars on candy, and you don't have money to go buy your grandma a stick of gum. And so I think that's what it's come down to: our politicians and government and media. It's like, but where are you going to get the money? Where are you going to get the money? It's like what while the they fuck? just invent it, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing like all of those every everybody who's saying hey where are we gonna get the money they're all deficit spending like it's like crazy right like they, none of them have any credibility to answer that question in any way right or to be asking that question uh yeah. and, and of course yang you know has a a a, a math-based way to actually uh pay for it without uh without you know printing money uh really yeah. well excessively there would be a little bit of it but all with trackable potential roi so yeah it just we obviously we agree on the uh, uh the merits of that because you're right i think like and, and bringing it and yang talks about this sort of in, in the meta way a little bit and i think we can stand to, to 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 consider it there's the difference between the uh the scarcity mindset and the abundancy uh, mindset right exactly. and you know when when Nailed when it. When people are coming from from uh, 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 and, and like it's not when you're thinking about a, an abundancy mindset, you're not you're necessarily thinking, oh my god, like I can buy one of Rio's uh, bougie cups. He'll show, he'll show it to you. It's amazing. There it oh, is. Nice. There it is. <laughs> yeah, that cup's worth like nine thousand dollars. It's ridiculous. Also, I made that up. But like, it, like it's not about being rich. It's about you know that that family that you were describing that's just able to have a moment to breathe, right? Yeah. You know, mo- moments with their moments with their family. That that just getting people to that position then opens them up to go to even more meetings if they want to do that or just to, mm-hmm. to, to have that, that, that sense of, of, of security that demolishes the anxiety that you were talking about so that we would all as people start making much better decisions, just mm-hmm. living better lives, which is, which is what we should all kind of want for, for everybody anyway. So mm-hmm. like it really does make a huge amount of difference where on the other side, when you're coming from that scarcity mindset, well, suddenly you can't pay for anything and you could pit people against each other very successfully. Uh, mm-hmm. The rich benefit from that like crazy because they don't give a fuck. They're getting rich anyway. And, yeah. and, and it just, it, it causes this net sense of loss and animosity. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's clear that if we keep defining those things, like we can, we can use it as a principle now 
to basically run any policy idea that we ever have as, as a collective, right? Mm -hmm. We get to run it through. Is this, is this a scarcity mindset or is this an abundancy mindset? Uh, and uh, uh, make decisions from that. I think it's going to benefit things a lot and, and hopefully change the conversation. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, I mean, with this, with this whole thing of, of scaring the American people and using fear tactics with, with this, with the issues at the detention centers, with, with these, uh, the, the tariff war with China, it's just like, what is going on? Like, this is, this is not how policymaking, how diplomacy looks like. This is not the morals that we see in a leader of our nation. And so it's kind of restoring the sense of ethics and morality and uh, kind of fundamentalness of us as human beings, as, as, as uh, kind of what do we do and how do we do it and live amongst each other as human beings with dignity and respect and, and making sound decisions um, and kind of for the general welfare of all people. And so I think um, that's, that's the main thing that I see a few candidates in this presidential race having uh, where they're, where they're specifically addressing that. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of hope. I mean, um, just as how we have our quote unquote, good sides, bad sides, lowered higher sides to ourselves i think we as the american people though we still have beating hearts we still have souls we're still able to go ahead and and think and feel and i think that the the fact that we're able to still feel um and to still be able to talk about it is is why we're here on this show and why we're trying to spread the word and and get that awareness of all listeners listening so so i would say go ahead and subscribe to the show guys if you just happen to zoom in on this episode go ahead and subscribe because i think it's just even if it's not UBI issues that they might be talking about, um, uh, that Corey Rio might not be talking about, there could be other things that might come up. And I, I think even if whether or not you disagree with one of their views, whether you be liberal or conservative, I think it's just kind of saying, huh, what, what are other kind of schools of thoughts out there or kind of discussions that are going on and how does that relate to my core values? And um, is that something that I could just kind of think about and, and look about? I mean, me, I grew up really conservative, ultra conservative Republican because my dad, immigrant pastor, Korean, I mean, what they did, the Republican Party, they sent out pamphlets and leaflets to every single church in our community and district. And so if you t told somebody that you were voting for somebody Democrat, whether it be in the neighborhood or college board trustees or whatnot, you would be viewed as like a, the devil, as demon possessed. And um, and that was up in Washington State. But it's like this, this sense of, this sense of fear and like, no, that's not the type of message that even Jesus, if even if you are Christian, was trying to share, um, whether or not you're religious or not. But that's not even what he was trying to share. It was about love and about having morals, about treating each other with respect. And I think it, with all religions, there's a sense of universal theme where it's like, do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. So what does that look like? Love one another as you love yourself. It's like being equal to each other. I mean, um, kind of, yes, I'm going to take care of my children, but oh, you and your children, or you and your job, are you are you okay? Like, we should be talking about this. And I think that's what it's, um, I mean, you surround um, yourselves with kind of good people in that sense. And so I think it's now kind of looking beyond, uh, beyond our own needs and our yeah. family's needs, but looking for the needs of those across the table in our own countries, in our, in our neighborhood, in our backyards, and so, um, and the residents and houses. And so um, it's just kind of realizing, hey, guys, there's this thing called just human respect for each other. And let's just start and have start with that. And that means 
Uh, one way that looks like is universal basic income, the freedom dividend, $1,000 a month to every um, U.S. citizen between 18 and 64. And I mean, go ahead and learn more about it if you guys um, continue to subscribe to this podcast or, or look up on his website or, or mine um, as well, as we'll have some stuff on there. And so just kind of getting yourself informed of, hey, guys, um, there's no reason why we should try to have um, an attached stigma to people's lives. There's, I mean, it, it, it makes the government a lot efficient. It, it, it's, there's a lot of efficiency elements related to the universal basic income yep. Um, yep. And, and how it's implemented and how it addresses people's needs and the fungibility of that. And so I think it's like kind of saying, hey guys, let's respect each other and this is what it looks like. Let's start off with this. Um, given that these are the conditions that we have, not just with automation that's happening and that's going to continue to happen, but it's also kind of in the sense of where is this human-centered capitalism that Yang has on his platform, which is which is where we really need to kind of realize again, it's not saying, it's, it's kind of really putting the human aspect back into that, where now corporations are not just uh, have this duty of loyalty only to their shareholders, but they have this duty of loyalty to the communities that they exist in and, and restoring that back because when once that's back then we're able to all grow together and so go ahead Rio. oh yeah yeah yeah, Corey. um correct me if i'm wrong but it's no longer only for people under 64 it's it's until you die now isn't it um yeah i know i know it's supposed to uh it's supposed to stack uh uh, uh with uh social security and uh and even disability in 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 some or most cases um so it's supposed to yeah to, yeah. So an older person living on social security, you know, say they're getting a thousand dollars a month in social security, which is pretty standard. Um, their, their, their retirement income doubles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, that's the thing they, they benefit it from as well. And it basically, I think he made that uh, adaptation, which is really, really intelligent. Cause people are paying into social security as a separate fund, you know, uh, a thing for for their entire lives. They expect that to be, you know, a thing over and above. It's not just like welfare or whatever. Like, it, like it, it's a thing that, that, that the, you know, bill of goods you're sold is that it's sort of a, a backstop for your retirement plans. And you pay into that your whole life or whatever. And social security and disability or, sorry, with, uh, with disability is the same kind of thing, right? So you're getting a very, very specific thing. Um, and and it really should uh, uh, be separate from that, right? Like it's not just like housing assistance or or food stamps or whatever, uh, which is what uh, uh, the freedom dividend is meant to to, to actually uh, impact and, and replace, frankly, because it's going to do its job a lot better. Uh, and that way, you know, old people will have still an excuse to vote for it, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I mean, just on the show and just talking with you guys just about, um, universal basic income. And I think it's one kind of, it's that gateway that we can use to go ahead and start addressing financial freedom for all of our families and all individuals, um, in that sense and regard so that they're able to go ahead and, have the time and resources to go ahead and and learn more skills and if they're trying to go ahead and do a job career transition from their minimum wage job to even allow them to have the time to do so because otherwise then they just continue living these harsh cyclical lives of just multiple jobs continuing and just barely making ends meet and then by the time they're able to have savings all of life has gone by already and they're 60 and so it's just kind of thinking hey guys life is more than just working and toiling it's like actually living it and what does that look like we yep. can't start living life at 60 70 we need to start it now um and and that's something that we can we can do and, and see an effect and so that's yeah yeah, yeah. 
if it's completely right. Yeah. So people who are living paycheck to paycheck right now would suddenly have savings instantly. Yep. I mean, but, and really, frankly, like, I mean, the, the, the point of capitalism isn't to survive, it's to build wealth and a retirement and invest. And, you know, um, Yang is making it possible for people to do that. And so are you, David. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for running. Um, I hope we can get you elected. <laughs> yeah. And we definitely want an update either way. Like I'd love to have, I'd love to have you on. Um, and, uh, yeah, for, for, you know, the, the, that I love the idea of sort of developing a, a coalition of all the candidates that are running that are like you. Uh, mm-hmm. We will absolutely be, you know, platforming every single one of them as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back of our minds, we need to be thinking about, you know, what, what does a national donor network look like uh, uh, based mm-hmm. on, uh, on pushing, these, uh, pushing these really, really important ideas? Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll be considering that in the future, obviously, if anybody has any ideas or, or effort they want to put towards that, uh, we will be happy to, uh, to promote or help with that kind of thing in any way that we can. Uh, David Kim, thank you so much for joining us. You're awesome. You so We're really happy that you're running um, and, uh, and you're going to kick some butt. We just know it. Awesome. Or we'll just, yes. <laughs> we'll manifest it. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, um, Thanks Yeah, you. we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you. And uh, Andrew Yang is our taco. Oh, I totally. How did I? I forgot that. Jesus Christ! How dare I? How dare I? <laughs> so he's cool. Oh, you already ended it. No, I haven't ended it yet. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I just wanted to like we're like usually we have to like like we end it and then the people stick around hanging out and we're like trying to get rid of them now they're gone we well can he's talk. he's he's um he's busy saving he's a pro America. Yeah. yeah exactly he's doing the work uh he is like a great candidate I yeah mean, he, he's he not horrible looks, at all. like he looks good on camera like americans are shallow like looks count you know he sounds good he sells himself well um boy i hope he wins like yeah it's totally it, but he has a good strategy too i mean just get second place in a primary that ain't hard he could do that yeah it, 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 could you imagine it as well if ranked choice was a thing Right. Like if ranked choice was the thing in those races, you know, the, the, the three or four other people, including the Green Party candidate, would probably all vote for him. Right. So like and their, their coalitions would would uh, uh, would probably or at least potentially overlap so that when you're in that situation, the guy who's making all the money isn't necessarily going to get everybody. If they're winning with like 30, 40 percent of the vote, whatever it is, you can develop coalitions where the, the, the second uh, uh, um, you know, favorite is going to be uh, this guy the whole yeah. time anyway. So well, that's, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's really fun. It's good that California has um, has their primaries work the way it does. Um, Agreed. So it, it's rather common in fairly um, uh, left leaning areas like Los Angeles to have you know the two two people two Democrats running against each other. Right. Uh, right. So like technically they're the same party, but clearly David Kem is the way to go. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. If anyone's listening from LA, legitimately. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll show this around. Uh, it'll get shared. Th- this will get shared all over the place in in downtown LA, like for sure. That's gonna cool. happen. Awesome. All right. Um. And uh, Andrew Yang is our taco. And scene. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you, and we're so excited about the uh, the awesome community, the Yang Gang that's growing up around the candidacy uh, of Andrew Yang. Uh, if you could please tag us on Twitter with the hashtag Moving Forward Pod and uh, find and join the Moving Forward podcast uh, group on Facebook. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.